part nine mademoiselle de scuderi section four from weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part four mademoiselle de scuderi a tale from the times of louis the fourteenth section four rene cardillac was at that time the most skilful goldsmith in paris and also one of the most ingenious as well as one of the most eccentric men of the age rather small than great but broad-shouldered and with a strong and muscular frame cardillac although considerably more than fifty still possessed the strength and activity of youth and his strength which might be said to be something above the common was further evidenced by his abundant curly reddish hair and his thick-set features and the sultry gleam upon them had not cardillac been known throughout all paris as one of the most honest and honourable of men disinterested frank without any reserve always ready to help the very peculiar appearance of his eyes which were small deep-set green and glittering might have drawn upon him the suspicion of lurking malice and viciousness as already said cardillac was the greatest master in his trade not only in paris but also perhaps of his age intimately acquainted with the properties of precious stones he knew how to treat them and set them in such a manner that an ornament which had at first been looked upon as wanting in lustre proceeded out of cardillac's shop possessing a dazzling magnificence every commission he accepted with burning avidity and fixed a price that seemed to bear no proportion whatever to the work to be done so small was it then the work gave him no rest both night and day he was heard hammering in his workshop and often when the thing was nearly finished he would suddenly conceive a dislike to the form he had doubts as to the elegance of the setting of some or other of the jewels of a little link quite a sufficient reason for throwing all into the crucible and beginning the entire work over again thus every individual piece of jewellery that he turned out was a perfect and matchless masterpiece utterly astounding to the person who had given the commission but it was now hardly possible to get any work that was once finished out of his hands under a thousand pretexts he put off the owner from week to week and from month to month it was all in vain to offer him double for the work he would not take a single louis d'or more than the price bargained for when at last he was obliged to yield to the insistence of his customer he could not help betraying all the signs of the greatest annoyance nay of even fury seething in his heart if the piece of work which he had to deliver up was something of more than ordinary importance especially anything of great value worth many thousands owing to the costliness of the jewels or the extreme delicacy of the gold work he was capable of running about like a madman cursing himself his labour and all about him but then if any person came up behind him and shouted rene cardillac would you not like to make a beautiful necklace for my betrothed bracelets for my sweetheart or so forth he would suddenly stop still and looking at him with his little eyes would ask as he rubbed his hands well what have you got whereupon the other would produce a small jewel case and say oh some jewels see they are nothing particular only common things but in your hands cardillac does not let him finish what he has to say 
but snatching the case out of his hand takes out the stones which are in reality of but little value and holds them up to the light crying enraptured ho ho common things are they not at all pretty stones magnificent stones only let me make them up for you and if you're not squeamish to a handful or two of louis d'or i can add a few more little gems which shall sparkle in your eyes like the great sun himself the other says i will leave it all to you master rene and pay you what you like then without making any difference whether his customer is a rich citizen only or an eminent nobleman of the court cardiac throws his arms impetuously round his neck and embraces him and kisses him saying that now he is quite happy again and the work will be finished in a week's time running off home with breathless speed and up into his workshop he begins to hammer away and at the week's end has produced a masterpiece of art but when the customer comes prepared to pay with joy the insignificant sum demanded and expecting to take the finished ornament away with him cardiac gets testy rude obstinate and hard to deal with but master cardiac recollect that my wedding is to-morrow but what have i to do with your wedding come again in a fortnight's time the ornament is finished here is your money and i must have it and i tell you that i've lots of things to alter in it and i shan't let you have it to-day and i tell you that if you won't deliver up the ornament by fair means of course i am willing to pay you double for it you shall soon see me march up with argenson's serviceable underlings well then may satan torture you with scores of red-hot pinchers and bang three hundred weight on the necklace till it strangle your bride and therewith thrusting the jewellery into the bridegroom's breast-pocket cardiac seizes him by the arm and turns him roughly out of the door so that he goes stumbling all down the stairs then cardiac puts his head out of the window and laughs like a demon on seeing the poor young man limp out of the house holding his handkerchief to his bloody nose but one thing there was about him that was quite inexplicable often after he had enthusiastically taken a piece of work in hand he would implore his customer by the virgin and all the saints with every sign of deep and violent agitation and with moving protestations nay amidst tears and sobs that he might be released from his engagement several persons who were most highly esteemed of the king and the people had vainly offered large sums of money to get the smallest piece of work from him he threw himself at the king's feet and besought as a favour at his hands that he might not be asked to do any work for him in the same way he refused every commission from de maintenon he even rejected with aversion and horror the proposal she made him to fabricate for her a little ring with emblematic ornaments which was to be presented to racine accordingly de maintenon now said i would wager that if i sent for cardillac to come here to tell me at least for whom he made these ornaments he would refuse to come since he would probably fear it was some commission and he never will make anything for me on any account and yet he has it seems dropped something of his inflexible obstinacy some time ago for i hear that he now labours more industriously than ever and delivers up his work at once though still not without much inward vexation and turning away of his face durscuderi who was greatly concerned that the ornament should if it could possibly be managed come soon into the hands of the proper owner 
thought they might send express word to master whimsicality that they did not want him to do any work but only to pass his opinion upon some jewels this commended itself to the marchioness cardillac was sent for and as though he had been already on the way after a brief interval he stepped into the room on observing de scuderi he appeared to be embarrassed and like one confounded by something so utterly unexpected that he forgets the claims of propriety such as the moment demands he first made a low and reverential obeisance to this venerable lady and then only did he turn to the marchioness she pointing to the jewellery which now lay glittering on the dark green tablecloth asked him hastily if it was of his workmanship hardly glancing at it and keeping his eyes steadily fixed upon de maintenon cardillac hurriedly packed the necklace and bracelets into the casket which stood beside them and pushed it violently away from him then he said whilst a forbidding smile gleamed in his red face by my honour noble lady he would have but a poor acquaintance with rene cardillac's workmanship who should believe for a single moment that any other goldsmith in the world could set a piece of jewellery like that is done of course it's my handiwork then tell me continued the marchioness for whom you made these ornaments for myself alone replied cardillac ah i dare say your ladyship finds that strange he continued since both she and der scuderi had fixed their eyes upon him astounded the former full of mistrust the latter of anxious suspense as to what turn the matter would take next but it is so merely out of love for my beautiful handicraft i picked out all my best stones and gladly set to work upon them exercising more industry and care over them than i had ever done over any stones before a short time ago the ornaments disappeared in some inconceivable way out of my workshop thank heaven cried de scuderi whilst her eyes sparkled with joy and she jumped up from her chair as quick and nimble as a young girl then going up to cardillac she placed both her hands upon his shoulders and said here master Venet, take your property back again which these rascally miscreants stole from you and she related every detail of how she had acquired possession of the ornaments to all of which cardillac listened silently with his eyes cast down upon the floor only now and again he uttered an indistinct hm so ho <laughs> now throwing his hands behind his back and now softly stroking his chin and cheeks when dear scuderi came to the end of her story cardillac appeared to be struggling with some new and striking thought which had occurred to him during the course of it and as though he were labouring with some rebellious resolve that refused to conform to his wishes he rubbed his forehead sighed drew his hand across his eyes as if to check tears which were gushing from them at length he seized the casket which Durskuderi was holding out towards him and slowly sinking upon one knee said these jewels have been decreed to you my noble and respected lady by destiny yes now i know that it was you i thought about when i was labouring at them and that it was for you i worked do not disdain to accept these ornaments nor refuse to wear them they are indeed the best things i have made for a very long time why why master rene replied Durskuderi in a charming jesting manner what are you thinking about would it become me at my years to trick myself out with such bright gems and what makes you think of giving me such an over-rich present 
nay nay master rene now if i were beautiful like the marchioness de fontange and rich too i assure you i should not let these ornaments pass out of my hands but what do these withered arms want with vain show and this covered neck with glittering ornaments meanwhile cardillac had risen to his feet again and whilst persistently holding out the casket towards de scuderi he said like one distracted and his looks were wild and uneasy have pity upon me mademoiselle and take the ornaments you don't know what great respect i cherish in my heart for your virtue and your high good qualities accept this little present as an effort on my behalf to show my deep respect and devotion but as de scuderi still continued to hesitate de maintenon took the casket out of cardillac's hand saying upon my word mademoiselle you are always talking about your great age what have we you and i to do with years and their burdens and aren't you acting just like a shy young thing who would only too well like to take the sweet fruit that is offered to her if she could only do so without stirring either hand or finger don't refuse to accept from our good master rene as a free gift what scores of others could never get in spite of all their gold and all their prayers and entreaties whilst speaking de maintenon had forced the casket into mademoiselle's hand and now cardillac again fell upon his knees and kissed de scuderi's gown and hands sighing and gasping weeping and sobbing then he jumped up and ran off like a madman as fast as he could run upsetting chairs and tables in his senseless haste and making the glasses and porcelain tumble together with a ring and jingle and clash de scuderi cried out quite terrified good heavens what's happened to the man but the marchioness who was now in an especially lively mood and in such a pert humour as was in general quite foreign to her burst out into a silvery laugh and said now i've got it mademoiselle master rene has fallen desperately in love with you and according to the established form and settled usage of all true gallantry he is beginning to storm your heart with rich presents she even pushed her raillery further admonishing de scuderi not to be too cruel towards her despairing lover until mademoiselle letting her natural-born humour have play was carried away by the bubbling stream of merry conceits and fancies she thought that if that was really the state of the case she should be at last conquered and would not be able to help affording to the world the unprecedented example of a goldsmith's bride of untarnished nobility of the age of three-and-seventy de maintenon offered her services to weave the wedding wreath and to instruct her in the duties of a good housewife since such a snippety bit of a girl could not of course know much about such things but when at length de scuderi rose to say adieu to the marchioness she again notwithstanding all their laughing jests grew very grave as she took the jewel-case in her hand and said and yet marchioness do you know i can never wear these ornaments whatever be their history they have at some time or other been in the hands of those diabolical wretches who commit robbery and murder with all the effrontery of satan himself nay i believe they must be in an unholy league with them i shudder with awe at the sight of the blood which appears to adhere to the glittering stones and then i must confess i cannot help feeling that there is something strangely uneasy and awe-inspiring about cardillac's behaviour i cannot get rid of the dark presentiment 
that behind all this there is lurking some fearful and terrible secret but when on the other hand i pass the whole matter with all its circumstantial adjuncts in clear review before my mind i cannot even guess what the mystery consists in nor yet how our brave honest master ren the pattern of a good industrious citizen can have anything to do with what is bad or deserving of condemnation but of this i am quite sure that i shall never dare to put the ornaments on the marchioness thought that this was carrying scruples too far but when de scuderi asked her on her conscience what she should really do in her scuderi's place de maintenon replied earnestly and decisively far sooner throw the ornaments into the seine than ever wear them the scene with master rene was described by de scuderi in charming verses which she read to the king on the following evening in de maintenon's salon and of course it may readily be conceived that conquering her uncomfortable feelings and forebodings of evil she drew at master rene's expense a diverting picture in bright vivacious colours of the goldsmith's bride of three-and-seventy who was of such ancient nobility at any rate the king laughed heartily and swore that boileau de prue had found his master hence de scuderi's poem was popularly adjudged to be the wittiest that ever was written end of part nine section four recording by expatriate in bangor maine